Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. That was very enthusiastic. <laughs> um, Merry post-Christmas, happy pre-New Year. We're kind of in that uh, in-between week when things are kind of uh, weird, but we're believing that 2019 is going to be a phenomenal year. Um, for those of you that looked into Justin's eyes and got hypnotized there, apparently that's the new technique that we're using to launch out the uh, three services here. Um, but the, the, uh, the, the cool thing is that Church FC is growing, and we are just so excited and thrilled to see what God's going to do. Uh, as we cross over into 2019. Uh, for those of you that are OU fans, today there will be a trauma and grief counseling session after service, okay? And for anyone who's an Alabama fan, there's a separate service for your kind outside in the parking lot. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. Um, uh, I, let me just take a moment and talk about Kenya. Um, thank you so much from the bottom of our heart on behalf of the dear pastors that we are working with in Kenya. Um, you guys have just rallied around this church planting project, and it has been so amazing to see what God has done with that. We are getting ready to start construction on church number six, hopefully in January. So to God be the glory uh, for what he's doing. On this most recent trip, I think you saw the uh, video a couple of weeks ago, I had two favorite memories. One of them, Pastor Justin has already shared, and it was when we um, went to see the new church that had been uh, started less than a week before when we were there, and they had gathered at about 10 o'clock in the morning, and they were waiting on us for about four hours inside this little schoolroom, and there were over 80 adults, some 20 kids were packed into this room. We walked in, got the chance to encourage them, got the chance to share about Jesus, watched 10 to 12 kids come forward, give their lives to Jesus, and it was just such a powerful uh, moment to see how God is uh, using what you are a part of here at FC to impact the Maasai tribe in southern Kenya. I think my second favorite uh, moment, we were outside church number five uh, in Lemek, uh, and we were playing with the kids because not all of us are gifted in construction, and so some of us were outside with the kids and myself and Chad Lovett and Stephen Ragsdale, and the kids were laughing and they were pointing at Stephen and Chad, and they kept saying in Swahili, and so Stephen looks at me and goes, what were they saying? And I said, well, I guess I just have to tell them. So I said, they're having a competition to see which one of you is fatter. And they said, no. And I said, yeah, really, that's what 
they're doing. No, no in Swahili means fatter. And so um, I think Chad Lovett won the competition because Stephen had on a vest and it kind of kept his uh, tummy in. So anyway, that was one of my uh, favorite moments. I probably shouldn't have shared that. I'd be in trouble afterwards with Ragsdale and Lovett. But anyway, there you go. That's my... Uh, my, my, uh, my memories of the, of the trip. Um, this morning, we're going to jump into Ephesians chapter 4 together, and I would like to set up this message within the context of going to three services, okay? And when we talk about this idea of going to three services, the idea is that God is expanding His church and that God is increasing what He desires to accomplish here in this place through us. So we're going to pick this up here in verse number seven, and the word of the Lord says, uh, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Now watch this next part because this is the direction that we're going this morning. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Would you pray with me this morning as we look at God's word? Father, we thank you that you desire to speak to your people. Lord, we ask today that you would just let the word come forth clearly and that you would challenge us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Now, if I had to uh, give this uh, message this morning a title, I would give it the title of Build the Body Up, okay? Build the Body Up. Now, um, I, I speak multiple languages, having grown up in Africa most of my life. So, I like to read uh, different Bible passages, in particular different Bible characters with different accents. And so sometimes when I read Paul, I see Paul as a Brit and he's talking to the different churches. But today, the reason I put the up up there with a different kind of italic font is because I'm imagining Paul being a German, okay? And so Paul is writing to the Ephesian church and he's saying, build the body up, all right? So that's the direction of where we're going. That's a little insight into uh, my sense of humor if you ever travel with me. I love accents and uh, playing on words. Um, Or if you're a little bit more intellectually inclined, which I know some of us are, I also came up with the title, Ecclesiological Expansion via Charismatic Implementation of Interpersonal Discipleship and Dynamics, but it's probably a little bit deeper than we want to go today. So let's just stick with build the body up, all right? Is that okay with everybody today? All right, so I've, as you probably already uh, identified when we use that kind of a title, build the body up, um, we, we are pretty quickly drawn to the analogy of weightlifting, or at least going to the gym, right? Now, I, I went to the gym a few days ago, and 
Um, as and I was there in the gym, I saw this guy on the uh, bench press machine. I guess that's what you call it, because I don't, as you can tell, I go to the gym so often, right? Um, so I, I'm over there, and I'm like, I'm going to do a quick workout. This guy's sitting on the uh, bench press uh, table or whatever it is, and he's, he's got the uh, cutoff sleeves. I'm thinking, wow, this guy, you know, he looks like, he looks the part. He's got the uh, headset in, you know, and he's got the barbells out there called dumbbells, whatever. They're next to him there on the bench, and he's, you know, I'm like, I'm waiting for this guy to like pound it, right? And so um, I do my first set of whatever it was I was doing with like 15 pounds, you know, whatever, because yeah. Anyway, and so I'm looking around and he's just sitting there and he's on his phone, right? And he's just do, 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 And so I go and do my next set and I look back over and the guy's there and he hasn't moved and he's on his phone. And I go and do my third set of whatever I was doing and the guy's sitting there and he's on his phone. And five minutes go by and 10 minutes go by and 15 minutes go by and 20 minutes and the guy is just like totally engrossed in his telephone, and I think he was on Facebook or something, and I thought to myself, wow, this guy has totally forgotten the purpose of the gym, right? We don't go to the gym just to take nice selfies of ourselves. The reason you're supposed to, at least I think you go to the gym, is so that you can actually put on some muscle mass, right? And I think that what Paul is saying here in this passage, in Ephesians chapter 4, is he's reminding the church in Ephesus and to every church since Ephesus that basically the idea is this, don't forget God's purpose for the church and don't forget God's purpose for your life as a believer, okay? Now, the summary of what's going on, because I think it's always important to develop the context of any passage of scripture, all right? Um, the, the, the theme for the book of Ephesians is Christ and his church, okay? And you'll see that if you read through Ephesians multiple times. The phrase to look for is in Christ, okay? Paul's going to talk about it more than 32 times in this epistle, and he's going to remind people the importance of what spiritual life looks like when we live and center ourselves in the identity and person of Jesus Christ, all right? And then chapter 4, which is where we are today, Paul is going to remind us of Christ's ascension, all right? And he's going to talk about this idea that Christ descended in order to ascend. Uh, Revelation chapter 1 tells us that Christ now holds the keys um, to sin and death, right? So how did Christ get the keys to Hades, the hell? Most biblical scholars say that when he was crucified, and here in this passage, what Paul is talking about is Jesus went down into the gates of hell. He took the keys back from the devil and he said, no longer will you have control and authority over the destiny of mankind. Rather, because of my ascension, I'm now going back up into heaven. He becomes the head of of the church, and then he gives gifts to people who put their faith in him, all right? And as we use those gifts, as we, as, we, as we operate in those gifts, we build up the church of Jesus Christ. And then the second thing here um, that Paul talks about is that the, he led captives in his train, okay? So as the church is intentional about exercising their spiritual gifts, what happens is that people come out of darkness and experience the glorious liberation of knowing Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, all right? So that's kind of the context of where Paul's going with this, and he's reminding the church, build their body up, all right? Now, um, to do this this morning, I would like to just look at three simple aspects of this passage and apply them, and again, the context is next Sunday we are going to how many services? Three, okay? And so this whole message is geared around this idea that in order for these three services and this new format at FC to be successful, we need you. 
Okay, so that's the direction of the message that we're going. So the, the, the first thing I think that we have to um, talk about this morning is this idea of clarify your job description, all right? Clarify your job description, all right? Now, we talk about uh, calling when it comes to church, right? Everybody has a calling, and sometimes we use that word, and people are like, a calling? What are you talking about? Can we just use the word job description this morning? So if when you... Um, accepted the position where you now work, the place where you earn income, there probably was some kind of a job description, all right? And when we talk about a job description, we're talking about a list of duties and expectations that you are expected to perform in order to accomplish that job, right? And so what we find here um, is that Paul is going to tell us in verse number 12, he's going to show us every Christian's job description. And he says it this way in verse 12, equip the saints for the work of ministry. Notice that word, ministry. Now, many people, when they hear that word, they immediately check out and they say, you know what, that's not me because I don't lead worship like Shannon. I'm not the youth pastor like Michael. I'm not involved with kids like Sammy, and I definitely don't preach like Justin. Therefore, I'm not in ministry, okay? And Paul comes along and he's going to remind the church in Ephesus, and he's going to say, actually, that's not true. Actually, every person who has placed their hope in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior has now been given the responsibility responsibility of ministry, okay? And the only way that that can really, I guess, kind of set in with us is we have to have a mindset change, okay? What do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is this. When it comes to the average churchgoer in America, I think the mindset goes something like this. I go to church to consume, okay? And so they ask themselves questions that go like this. What's in it for me? What's the message that might meet my need for that day? Will people make me feel welcome? Will the worship lift my spirit, right? Will the parking lot guys help me find the right spot, right? Will the children's ministry inspire my kids? Because if not, there's a lot of churches in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I can just go boop, 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 and vote with my feet by going down the road, right? And so it's this idea of consumer, right? And it's, I think the, um, you know, a good illustration would be a buffet line. And this is how a lot of Christians view church. They go to church and they're like, I'll take a scoop full of mercy and grace and I'll take a little bit of, you know, that prosperity, holiness, I'll pass on that today. And, And so what happens is the attention and the emphasis becomes exclusively about us, right? And Paul is articulating a mindset shift that has to occur regarding the purpose of the church. And the key word is diakonia, which is that word ministry. Do you know what diakonia means? It literally means to serve on behalf of God. So Paul's saying, hey, if you're a Christian, if you identify Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you have a responsibility to serve on behalf of God. And how do we do that? Well, we serve one another is the entire argument that Paul's trying to make here in Ephesians chapter 4. So the idea is that in a healthy body of believers, you don't get to sit around and consume. Instead, you are called to contribute. Did you know that you're a contributor to what God wants to do? in FC in 2019? Did you know that there's things, there's aspects, there's talents, there's giftings, there's different graces that God has put on different people's lives that are essential for what he desires to do in and through this body as we move into this new year? In order for this mindset shift to take place, Paul identifies two things that have to happen in us as believers. Number one, Paul says you have to increase your capacity, okay? You have to increase your capacity. Uh, Verse 12 again, to equip the saints. 
This word equip in the Greek is katarismos, and it means a complete furnishing, equipping, and perfecting. Paul's saying that the role of the ministry team, i.e. the preachers, that list of five people that he mentioned, isn't to make you guys go, whoa, what a great preacher, wow, what a great worship leader, but really the goal is to activate your capacity to be a contributor to the development of the body of Christ. Paul is saying there's a capacity that we all have in Christ based on the gifts that he has given us. So here's the question. The question isn't if you have any usefulness to the body of Christ. Rather, the question is to what degree are you operating in your Christ-given capacity as a Christian? For some of us, it may be 20%. For some of us, it may be 50%. For some of us, it may be 70%. Can I suggest today that what Christ wants to do through Foundations Church in 2019 is he wants you to expand in your Christ-given capacity so that you are able to serve the body and Christ will be glorified in this place. What I found when I talk to many believers is oftentimes many Christians are discouraged. They're depressed. They are... um, walking in a place where they somehow feel that they aren't really connected into the body. And can I suggest today that when you step up and begin to operate in your Christ-given capacity, what happens is that you will begin to feel a sense of joy and a sense of belonging, and everything about the Christian faith will begin to make a lot more sense, and it will begin to be a much more of a solidified connection in your walk with Christ, okay? So Paul's challenging us with this idea of capacity. And then Paul's going to talk about this idea of reveal your identity, okay? Reveal your identity. Now, he says here, equip the saints. Now, the word saint in Greek is hagios, okay? And the word means holy or a saint. In Scripture, this word hagios appears next to uh, multiple um, ideas that connect to God. For example, the Holy Spirit is the hagios, there's that word holy, the hagios pneumatos, okay? The Holy Spirit. We, he, in Scripture, we find a description of Christ as the Holy One, okay? The hagios. We, it's used in connection with God's holy angels. Uh, it connects with the idea of God's holy word. Um, so why should we be surprised that hagios would also be used to describe God's people, right? Now, holy, you know, some people get weirded out by that. Holy just means that you're set apart for a specific purpose. You're set apart for a specific purpose for God to build his church would be the context of what Paul's saying here in this passage. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because for many of us who may have grown up in a liturgical church system or setting like a Catholic church where you have the idea of saints and then there's the rest of us. So there's like this, you know, um, division between those people that are really holy and then there's the rest of us down here kind of thing. And Paul comes along to the Ephesian Christians and he goes, "Uh uh-uh, that's not correct. He's saying, if you know the holy God and you have a relationship with his holy son and you read his holy word and his holy spirit lives inside of you then why would it be a surprise that you have been qualified and made holy and because you have been made holy it's not so that we walk around with a badge on our shirt that goes fc holy no it's so that we walk around with this understanding that we have been set apart for a specific purpose the specific purpose is to operate in our capacity so that the body of christ is built up and edified I'm going to have my wife come up and help me here uh, in a moment. 
with the illustration and some thoughts. Um, but notice again with me one more time what Paul says about the uh, fivefold role. He talks about the prophet, the teacher, the pastor, the evangelist. Um, I think what we've done oftentimes in America is that somehow church has become a little bit of a show, right? The guy on the platform is the one who brings the word, okay? And unfortunately, that's very Old Testament because in the Old Testament, there was only one person, the priest, who was qualified to speak on behalf of God, and everybody else went, ooh, ah, ooh. And when the New Testament comes along, the priesthood of believers, the idea is that every person has a specific role to play within the body of Christ, and the role of the ministry team is to help activate and equip that so that individual believers are able to go out and live this life for Jesus and bring him great glory. And honestly, like this FC is like our home church. Like Bailey, the reason Bailey and I have been connected here for over seven years now is because we love the ministry team here, and this place is not about showmanship. This place is about when, and Justin's a phenomenal communicator, but the, the The reason that we're a part of this body is because it's about activating the people of God to go out and represent Jesus gloriously in in Tulsa and around the world, right? Um, So that's the first idea of a job description, okay? Identify your job description. The second point we want to bring out is this idea of serve in a place to contribute. Serve in a place to contribute. Verse 16 kind of develops this idea. Paul says, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So Paul says, the body is going to be built up in love. How is that going to happen? As each part is working properly. Paul is saying that we have a responsibility to operate in our Christ-given capacity in a specific place. Now, in church circles, we often talk about the importance of finding your purpose, and I agree. That's one of my favorite messages to preach on, actually. But did you know that you really, biblically, and specifically what Paul's talking about in Ephesians 4, you can't find your God-given purpose until you are connected in a local body, and you are being stirred and challenged to step out, and that thing's being activated within you, okay? Um, One of the things that Bailey and I love to do is talk about church growth because we travel, you know, all the time. Last, this past year, I think we were in 35 different churches on a Sunday morning speaking all over the world. And we often talk about the importance of people finding the right place. And so I asked Bailey to come up on the platform to kind of help me talk about this today. So this is a a common conversation that we have. We're both very passionate about it. And I would just like to give you the opportunity to share some of your thoughts on this because I think it's important for people to hear, you know, from your perspective as well as my perspective. Well, I I think it's so important that we're talking about this. I love that that scripture just says when all parts of the body are functioning properly, it grows. And we're growing, we're expanding. And it makes me think back to when I got saved, really, really gave my life to the Lord. It was on a similar Sunday morning in this church. It was the first time for me to attend a service there. A friend had invited me, a different friend drove me. This was 16 years ago. I was 16, but I didn't have my license yet. Um, I was one of those kids my parents waited until I was 17, which was probably wise. But uh, somebody drove me, somebody else invited me, somebody welcomed me at the door. I, I felt so welcomed and comfortable that even when during worship time, I asked um, one of the older ladies um, to pray for me. And those are important details because it helped me prepare an atmosphere where when the pastor started preaching, I felt very attentive and comfortable and welcome. 
they say that um, with a lot of church growth stuff that we study, that people make a decision in the first five minutes that they're in your church if they're going to come back again. Yeah, let me just interrupt you there. So think about that. The first five minutes, so before they've ever heard anything in the worship, before anyone's ever spoken or communicated, they've already made a decision whether they're going to come back to that church again, right? So the idea becomes that we have a huge responsibility to help make people feel welcome. Make them feel welcome. It just prepared this place. So when the pastor started sharing that morning, he shared on Psalms 92, 13, and that says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. And like I said, they were getting ready to move into a a season of growth. They were doing this huge outreach, and they were needing all hands on deck. They were needing all parts of the body functioning healthily. And he shared this message as, as a relationship with God. And it was the first time I had heard anyone talk about this living, breathing, communicative God that wanted to have a relationship with me. And my cousin had died of cancer two years earlier. He was my best friend. We were the same age. And all of a sudden, it clicked. But what also clicked was that he had unique things in my life that he wanted me to contribute. That this good news, this relationship I was receiving also needed to go this way. And I immediately got plugged into the church. And I don't say that to my credit. I say that because I think as we get a revelation of who God is in our life, we need to be sharing that. We need to be an extension of it. And as we travel, we kind of talk about this parallel sometimes of renters versus owners. And when we go into any church, um, we know who's a renter or who's an owner. And what I mean by that is um, we rent cars all the time when we're traveling. And I'm the better driver in the States, by the way, but he's the better driver in Africa um, on the other side of the road. But when we rent the car, you know, if we drop food under the seat or something crazy, I'm probably not going to pick it up because we're literally paying somebody to vacuum that in a couple days, right? But if it's my car and I'm the owner, we're taking, you know, it in for oil changes. We're getting the tires fixed. And when you come into a church, there's a difference of someone's attitude of, like we're talking about here, are they consuming or are they contributing? Are you somebody who's also greeting people? Are you letting people sit by themselves? Are you saying, hey, do you want to come sit with our family? Um, the mint wrappers that we all take from the bathroom, right? By the end of second service, there's not any. So if you haven't gotten a mint, slip out. And I'm just kidding. Um, but if you see a mint wrapper on the ground, are you picking it up? If there's coffee cups underneath the seats after service, you know, that's not just Fish's job to come back through and, and make sure it's pristine in here. When we own the vision of the house, we are saved people who are serving people. We're found people who are finding people. And I think that that's such a a huge difference with people who own the vision of the house. Um, The other thing, too, so there's that place to be planted, that Psalms 92.13, to be planted in the house of God, to be part of his body. But there's a place to participate. You know, when we sign up for sports, we don't do so. Um, and go through all the practices and buy all the equipment to be benched. Like, that's not the goal, right? Like, we don't sign up to be benched. We sign up so that we have a chance to play, that hopefully we can contribute to a win. And here, like, that's part of the goal is that you're participating to help other people win, to share that news that you've received. And I think it's it's just so important because, you know, Pastor Justin is not omnipresent, surprise, Um, (laughs) but Jesus is. And Jesus lives inside all of us, and we get to be those. He can't greet every single person who comes to the store. You know, Shannon can't, can't teach everybody how to worship. But man, when we're participating, we're excited to be here. We're expressive. And I know not all of you are this level of crazy outgoing or Pastor Justin's level of outgoing, okay? But 
we still get to exemplify the fruit of the Spirit. We get to see a need and meet a need, whether it's in the nursery, in the parking lot, greeting, hospitality, and we get to help other people win. Yeah, it's really good. I think the practical application for this, you know, we're moving to how many services next week? Three, right? And so there's still several opportunities available to sign up and serve. And if that's, you know, what God's speaking to you about during the service, then please go to the uh, Connect Center after service. I think one of the biggest objections people make here is, well, I don't know my spiritual gift set. I don't know if I would fit in a particular area. So therefore, I'm not going to do anything until I discover that. And the challenge is this. What I found with different Christians is when they have that mindset and that attitude, a month will go by, six months will go by, a year will go by. 10 years will go by. And what happens is they become apathetic in their faith because it's like the Dead Sea, right? They say the Dead Sea is the most, is the saltiest body on planet Earth, yet all of these fresh stream tributaries pour into this thing. But because there's no outlet in the Dead Sea, the evaporation process takes place and the salt levels just accumulate ridiculously so you can actually float on top of it. And that's what happens to us as Christians is that if we're not intentional to have outlets where we're given out, people can pour in and pour in and pour in and there's like an evaporation process that takes place and people get stale and people get dry. And what happens is oftentimes people will check out and disappear, right, from church completely. And in my life, like I've been in, I've served in the coffee team, I've served in the evangelism team, I've served in the prayer team, I've served in parking lot teams, I've served in, and I can't say that, you know, all of those were like, well, that's my strong point. I feel like so energized. It wasn't about that necessarily. It was about that I put myself out there and got the opportunity to love on other believers and maybe people that weren't believers. And in so doing, it's like God was able to pour more into me, okay? So we want to, I want to use an illustration, okay, as we look to wrap this thought up here. And so the, uh, the, uh, the illustration is, is, goes like this. So there's two different mixing bowls up here, all right? So the smaller mixing bowl, uh, we're going to say that this represents where FC has been for the past several years because we've had two services, all right? So this bowl has almost completely filled up to capacity because God has just been pouring into FC in an incredible way, okay? So what happens is, as we cross over into 2019, and how many services are we going to? Three. Okay, just making sure everybody's getting this, right? We have a bigger bowl now, okay? A larger receptacle, a larger um, 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 capacity for what God wants to do in this place, all right? So it's not that we lose anything that FC has had up to this point. In fact, we've been very intentional. We're going to keep the exact same amount of songs. It's just that there's going to be, you know, a more th- three services instead of two, in case you haven't caught that already, all right? So There's nothing that's ever lost in the economy of God, right? So he consolidates it. He pours it into into the the larger uh, service there. Now, in order to fill this up, let's say that this one represents Pastor Justin. I almost got a tall cup, you know, just because he's a tall guy. But I thought, yeah, we won't pick on him too much, right? We're all equals believers, right? So Justin's over here. He's got the vision. He's got the heart. He's got the passion. He knows how to preach, right? And so he starts pouring. This is now prophetic because this hasn't happened yet, but this is what about, about to happen. All right, so he's pouring. Boo, 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 boo. And of course, the water is going up a little bit, but not really that much, right? By contrast, what happens if, let's say, believer Joe, okay, begins to pour in at the same time his gifts and his talents with Justin into what God wants to do here at FC? 
Well, pretty quick, we get the idea that the um, level and capacity of what God is going to do here at FC is going to fill up even quicker. So that's why in the video before service, Pastor Justin is like, hey, if you haven't signed up to be a part of the volunteer team, go find a card in the Connect Center. Hey, this is a great opportunity to start inviting people to church because what happens as we're pouring out and pouring out is that the whole capacity is going to rise of what God wants to do. Now, let me just challenge uh, some of us here today that you may have felt dry or empty, like you've come into FC um, and God has filled you up in times past, but you've kind of felt like, yeah, the worship just isn't like touching me like it once was and the messages, it's just not. Can I suggest, okay, what I found oftentimes when somebody is in that kind of spiritual situation, it's because they aren't pouring anything out to make new room for God to put new into them, okay? It's because they've become stagnant. They like the Red Sea or the Dead Sea, not the Red Sea. That would be a conflict of Bible stories, the Dead Sea, all right? And so, or there may be those of us here that you are the volunteer team, like you serve in kids, you serve in greeting, you serve in ushers, and what happens then is you've poured out and poured out and poured out and poured out until you're empty and you've got nothing left to give, and that's not healthy either, right? So the actual, the, the, the best analogy of what God wants to do, well, we ran out of God, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's, heresy. That's heresy. Okay. We didn't run out of God. Okay. But what, what God wants to do when he, uh, for us as believers is he pours into us as we pour out. He pours into us as we pour out. Pours into us as we pour out. And so what happens is you're living out of the overflow. Okay, so this, I believe, is what God wants to do in 2019. And what happens when everyone is intentional to participate is that the capacity of this thing is going to go completely to the top. New people are going to come in. They're going to find Jesus. They're going to say, wow, I love what God's doing in that place, and I want to be a part of it. So good. And I would suggest, too, the list of, of available spots that they need to, keep, to have people serve is, is a very minimal list. That's like what we need to go to three services and function well. But there's a need for every single one of you. We need you. This church needs you. This city needs you. This community needs you. There are things inside of you that need to come forth. And this is a beautiful place to do that. This is a safe place to do that. And I want to encourage you, if you don't really know some of your spiritual gifts, there's very practical things. I mean, this scripture here in Ephesians 4 outlines some of that. Um, you can take Peter, Dr. Peter Wagner has free resources online, spiritual gift testing. Um, but that doesn't mean if your top listing comes up as pastor that you're like, all right, well, I'm going to go start my own church. <laughs> but that pastoral tendency in you, maybe you'd be great to be in our Connect Center. You know, if you're greeting and outgoing, if you're going to be friendly, please be on the greeting team. And none of us are above changing diapers, right? That's true. <laughs> but we just want you to know there's a, there's a place for you. We believe in you guys. We believe in what God has deposited in you. And we believe that it, God wants you to be connected to the body, not just here at Foundations Church, but your extension of what we're doing globally and other missionaries that you support. That's so, right. If you're starting to get the idea that in order for FC to be successful in the three services that we're going to need you, then you're starting to get the gist of the message today, okay? So the idea is that you're valuable, you're important, you have a specific job description, there is a place for you to serve. And then finally, the third point that we'll look at as we look to wrap up this message uh, is this idea of expect Christ to bring growth through you. Expect Christ to bring growth through you. And you guys know that when a preacher says that they're concluding, it doesn't really mean anything, right? Okay. De Dennis is amening me. All right, great. Uh, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
So what Paul's saying here is that something really, really awesome takes place. As people use their gifts and serve one another for God's glory, people grow into the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, I don't have time to do this today, but if you go through the book of Ephesians and talk about the fullness of God, the pleroma, it's an unbelievable concept. It's one of Paul's goal for every Christian and every body is that we would develop into the fullness of who Jesus Christ is, right? But he does give us some specific examples and descriptions of what this looks like here in this verse that we just read. And he says the fullness of Christ, first off, looks like unity in the faith. Secondly, it's the knowledge of the Son of God. And thirdly, it's an overall spiritual maturity. So I classify these by saying maturity, unity, and intimacy, all right? Now pause with me for a moment and think about what we've talked about up to this point. So if all of the people of God here at FC, you know, everybody's pouring in and pouring in and there's um, unity, interpersonal unity, and there's spiritual maturity, and there's dynamic intimacy, uh, and the church is thriving, and the capacity is increasing, what do you think people on the outside are gonna think about that kind of church? I wanna go there. Right? Am I the only one? I guess I'm the only one. Would you want to go to a church like that? Yes, right? And so the challenge that Paul is giving us as we look at this passage is, you know what? This makes evangelism so much easier. You're not having to invite your friend to come to a church where you're not sure if somebody's going to like get into conflict or if someone's going to get mad because someone took their seat on the third row or if someone's going to be upset because their kid got put in with the other class instead of this class. But when, 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 when the whole level of unity and intimacy and maturity is present, it becomes so much easier to say, hey, I go to Foundation Church. Would you like to go to church with me? Oh, is that that church that we heard about that does da, 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 da? Okay, so what Paul's saying here is this idea of expect spiritual growth and expect it to happen through your life, okay? Um, now, here at, you know, FC, one of the big things that God is doing here is God saves people almost every week. And you may think that that's normal or non-normal. For, listen, we travel all over the world. There are very few churches that we ever go to where someone comes to Christ almost every single week. Why is that? Because Justin has a powerful evangelistic anointing on his life. But in order for that anointing to be released, for someone to hear the truth and find Christ, that is where we have the responsibility to invite people and bring them in, all right? Now, this to me is really cool because it takes a lot of the pressure off. Like I, you know, you guys hear me maybe a couple times a year I come and speak here at FC, but growing up and even into my mid-20s, I never wanted to be on the stage. I didn't want to preach publicly. I definitely would never have identified myself as an evangelist. But if you gave me much more of an informal context, and by that I mean just a personal relationship with somebody, I mean, that's where I thrive. I love building new relationships. I love asking people where they're from. And so that kind of context for me is where I kind of like naturally gravitate. So I want to do a final example, and then I promise we really are done. Uh, Michael, could you come and help me? Sorry I didn't warn you before service. Dennis, could I also trouble you to come? and just stand at the front here, all right? Now, here, here's where we're gonna go with this example. Um, m- many people talk about evangelism or discipleship, and by discipleship, I just mean this informal kind of context of just being you, just using the gifts and talents that God's given you and just pouring them back out into the body of Christ. Okay, that's what I mean by discipleship. So, Dennis is gonna represent our evangelist. He's like Pastor Justin, and man, he can... Whoo, People get saved, and you can see it, right? And Michael, he's real shy and quiet. Nobody ever hears from him. But behind the scenes, like, this guy knows how to build relationships with people and pour into people, okay? So evangelist, disciple. 
Lur. Okay. Um, the evangelist, you know, he's gifted, he preaches, and every month he leads at least one person to Christ. So we're just going to keep the numbers simple so that the arithmetic kind of makes sense here. So at the end of year one, a year has 12 months, one person per month, how many people has Dennis brought into the kingdom? Great. You guys are doing fantastic. Much better than the first service. Well done. All right. Michael's over here. He's the discipler. He's not on the stage. He's not in the limelight, but man, just building these relationships, telling people what Jesus is doing in his life, just slowly pouring it back out here, right? Um, He is going to lead one person to Jesus in a full entire year, 365 days, and he's going to just do life with this person, share with this person, encourage this person, mentor this person. At the end of year one, he's made one, you know, one disciple with him. So how many people are represented in this? I'm going to give you a clue, all right? Two, right? It's Michael and the person that he has discipled, and he has equipped to go and reproduce what Michael just did with that person, right? So year two, Dennis, one person per month, 12 plus 12 equals 24. Michael has trained this guy. This guy goes out and finds somebody else, and Michael starts the process over again. So now at the end of year two, how many people do we have? Four, all right? Year number three, how many are you at? 36, great. Year number three, where are you at? About eight people, right? Yeah, it's hard for me too. That's why I was asking you to help me, all right? Don't leave me hanging here, brother. You're the youth pastor. You got to keep me going here, all right? Year number four, okay, you're at about 48, right? Okay, year number four, you're somewhere about 16 people, okay? Year number five, where are you at? 60 people, okay? Where are you at? About 32. That sounds about right to me too. We'll go with it, all right? Year number six, where are you at? 72. 72, okay? Where are 72 or 60? 72. Sorry. All right. I got confused. 64. 64. All right. So it's year number six, 72 and 64. All right. Where are you at at year number seven? 84. 84. Where are you at? 120. Okay. 120. Did you see what just happened at year number seven? The amount of people that have been impacted by the informal person who all they do is just use their talents and gifts for Jesus behind the scenes to pour into the church is actually having a bigger impact on what God wants to do in that context than what the evangelist does. Now, why do I bring this up? Because oftentimes we say, well, I'm not an evangelist. I can't do anything for God. And this simple illustration illustrates the fact that that is complete bogus, right? Um, now, here's the other question people sometimes ask. Well, which is more important? Is it the disciple or the evangelist? Paul tells us right here in this passage, they're both important. We have to have everyone on deck using their gifting, using their capacity, using their God-given grace and talent in order for the body of Christ and the level of capacity of what God wants to do here at FC to reach its potential. Can we give Dennis and Michael a round of applause? Paul tells us here in this passage, he says, expect growth and expect that it's going to happen through you. This is the most incredible thing in the world is when God begins to use the things that he's already deposited inside of you to impact other people's lives. I remember the first time I invited somebody to church in 2002, don't have time to tell the whole story, but he ended up getting saved and then he started inviting his friends and they ended up getting saved and those friends invited their friends and they ended up getting saved. And within a period of about 18 months, God had led over 100 people to Christ all because I invited someone to church. 
Now, is that going to happen here? I don't know. For those of you that were here this summer, when Alfonso got baptized, it was one of the few Sundays, and you may have seen it on Facebook, that I was actually in um, Tulsa. I, I, wept. I wept to see how God used the Myers after this guy comes out of incarceration. He then comes and hears about Jesus. He then comes and gets baptized. And the last several Sundays that I've been here, I've been meeting some of his friends that he's been inviting to um, church. It's powerful. When we get this idea that God's going to build you up. Can we close today in prayer? I invite you guys to stand with me. You know, one of the really awesome things about this passage to me is when Paul says that Jesus is going to bring captives in his train. And I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if this is your first time to FC or maybe it's your hundredth time to FC. But one of the cool amazing components of the gospel message is that Jesus sets captives free. You may be here, you may have been living in sin, there may be bondages or addictions in your life, there may have been aspects of of where you've even been in the last six days that it's just a miracle that you're still alive, but the good news, the glorious message of the gospel is that Jesus forgives sin, Jesus took the keys back, Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God, the Father, and when we surrender our lives to him, he forgives us and he breaks those bondages. If there's anyone here today before we close the service and you'd say, Steve, you know what? I need to give my life to Jesus. Or maybe you did give your life to Jesus many years ago, but you're backslid. You haven't been living where you know you need to be. And today the Lord's just been speaking to you and challenging you and saying, this is your day to come home. This is your day to find your place in the body of Christ. With all of our eyes closed, would you just slip up your hand? If that's you, I'd love to pray with you before we go any further. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. I see several hands. Can we all just pray together today so that no one feels like, you know, embarrassed about this or something? Would you just pray with me, dear Jesus? Thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you that you led captivity captive. I receive your love and your grace. Forgive me all my sin. I now belong to you. Give me the grace that I need to live for you every day. In your name I pray. If you just prayed that prayer after service, either come find myself or head over to the Connect Center. We want to put some resources into your hands. Now, for the uh, rest of us today, here's the challenge. Where, where is your place of service? And what is your capacity? And to what extent are you operating in it? And to what extent are you making space in your life so that God can fill you back up? And so I just want to pray a prayer over us and just ask the Lord to solidify this word in our hearts and in our minds. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it never returns to you void. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here at FC. Lord, because of their generosity, because of their willingness to give, Lord, hundreds and thousands of Maasai people have found you. Lord, we celebrate that. We celebrate what you're doing here in Tulsa. We celebrate those who have come into this place and found Jesus and been delivered from their captivity and bondage. And I just ask that no person under the sound of my voice today would leave this building 
under some kind of false pretenses that somehow you don't have a place for them. Lord, I ask that you would make this word clear, you would solidify it in hearts and minds, and that, Lord, we would be the kind of church that moves in maturity, that operates in unity, and that experiences incredible intimacy with you, that Tulsa would be impacted, that lives would be changed, and that 2019 would be the best so far of what you have done in this place. And everybody that's in agreement said... Amen. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Have a fantastic rest of the year. May the Lord go with you. And may 2019 be an incredible year for you as well. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.